Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast for another episode. And tonight we have a very special guest all the way from the UK. Now, Darren Bragg is the EMEA, that's Europe, Middle East, and Africa commercial manager for the Bushnell brand. Darren and I had the privilege of spending some time together in St. Andrews, meeting in Scotland, and I met a lot of people in Scotland. And Darren's probably one of the first of many that we're going to chat to, not only about Scotland, but tonight I want to talk to Darren about the Bushnell product in terms of... Uh, new product releases in terms of Bushnell they've got something very significant to release so I'm pretty excited to talk about it I've been using it but I'm also equally excited to talk about Darren's career in the golf industry it's one of those careers that spans a few twists and turns and comes out pretty well as he's now as I said the EMEA let's bring Darren in right after the music Darren, uh, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you? Ross, thank you very much. I'm great. It's uh, it's just starting to hit autumn now in the UK, and I know you guys are now starting to head through spring, so you're getting the good stuff coming, and we are just about to turn into into the cool stuff, but I am really good. Thank you. Well, for anyone who watches the video that we put out on uh, on the My Love of Golf YouTube channel, it's still hoodie season where I am, but I did get out in the sun today. It's it's getting better. Yes, you're right, but uh, I can see you're in, in bathed in sunlight there in a beautiful, with a beautiful backdrop. Now, you know, once again, it's a video thing. It's not an audio thing, but... Comparing backdrops, uh, your backdrop there, it, you know, you are a company man, as I introduced you as the commercial manager for EMEA. Uh, you are swathed in a plethora of Bushnell products around you, and I'm pretty sure you haven't just set it up for the podcast, but, uh, you know, we met in Scotland, we had a great time, and, uh, you know, we're continuing that uh, that journey as, as now colleagues and friends. Um, how have you been since, uh, since our catch-up in St. Andrews, it was a pretty significant event that we attended. Uh, I had a good time. I don't know about you. Do you know what? Uh, St. Andrews was unbelievable. It was it was one of those summers, I think, that, you know, the event, the Open at St. Andrews, you know, obviously Cam Smith, Aussie winning it, right? Fantastic. And for us, it's an opportunity, you know, to meet up. We had, you know, a gang that came over as well that were on something of an epic uh, adventure themselves in various countries and ticking off bucket list golf courses for you. It was amazing. I think you came in. We saw you, I think, 24 hours after you landed and then you went on your own little month-long kind of, you know, journey through Scotland, if you like, and and following following the golf courses you were playing, the pictures and your posts uh, was was very jealous, I have to say. But but our our few days in St Andrews was was brilliant. I think anyone who loves golf would have loved that week, and we were very fortunate to be there. and And it was great to to meet you in person, and obviously pick up pick up where we are now. Look forward to some golf we're going to have in the future. Yeah, you know, we we had some experiences there from you know hanging out at sunset at uh, Rustics up there in the bar and that very heavily photographed uh, little uh, putting green that's on that balcony that overlooks the 18th, you know, sharing some sunset photos up there, uh, you know, meeting your colleagues from uh, the Scandinavian countries who are in charge of distribution for Bushnell products over there. That was great. Always great to meet people from other parts of the world and pick their brains about the golf business and the golf industry. But, um, yeah, you're right. For me, it was it was pretty special, you know, getting to uh, hang out with uh, yourself but also some of the players and get inside the ropes and do that, which, you know, the guests on the My Love Golf podcast already know. 
One of the things that um, I was interested to see, and you might explain that a little bit more to me, obviously we're on the range and, you know, we were checking out all the players and we were checking out who had the Bushnell rangefinders uh, hanging off their bags. And but the and you, you'll hopefully know about this, the, the count, you know, the product count. There was a lot of people running around and going up to all the players and going through their bags. And I think as consumers, you know, on the, on the outside, we hear about that. But, you know, we're always intrigued to see the validity of it. Or um, what's the report called? Is it the Dale report or the, there's a name for it? The... So in, in the US, the service called Daryl Survey. Daryl Survey, sorry, yeah. And in the UK, we have a company called SMS that uh, manages that for us, the sports marketing surveys. So it is. They, they, they take that. It is a thing. Explain, explain to us what happens in in that environment. You know, because that, that you know, they were obviously counting rangefinders as well. Absolutely, and and the companies that facilitate those surveys are, you know, they are on tour week in week out. Now we will work with them at certain times of the year or on certain events because we want to know. You know, we want to get that benchmark to see how many of the elite golfers on various tours are using our products. We know for you know 25 plus years now that we've been the market leader and particularly in the laser category. And having that sort of validified, if you like, by the tour players is is great to know and it's great to great to understand equally. Part of what we do alongside that is working with the players, the caddies, the associations and the tours and everything else to understand what are the future needs? What are the, the developments in that product space? You know, what could we do better? What could we do to help the elite golfer to start with? And obviously all the way through the run of golfers going down to, to your beginners, how can we make products that will help everyone with their golf and hopefully I think important enjoy their golf but from a tour level what you saw was the guys that week at the open were going around they had to speak to every player and every caddy that played in the open and then we get those results back within 48 hours and for us we were 95.6 percent of the players and caddies combined were using bushnell lasers which is significant and it's and it's a wonderful you know achievement for us that the very best of the game, the very you know peak of their their events scheduled in the year at the Open are, are trusting Bushnell products to to aid them with their with their event preparation and delivery. It was interesting to see, in particular, the event preparation part. You know how many of them, and I, I guess that they're not all they're not paid, or maybe some are. I don't know the commercial arrangements with sponsors, probably not. But you know how many of them, you know, just proudly hang that. Bushnell rangefinder out there on the side of the bag, you know, the big one that we all saw, you know, Rory just, you know, there it is on his little, I'm not little, his brown um, event staff bag there and How Tong Lee and, you know, there's dozens of them that all had it out there. Um, so, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the tour representation, you know, you, you had a, a, you know, your tour rep there. What What is the role of the tour rep, you know, on tour with Bushnell? In, in that event, but uh, I'm assuming that that's not the only uh, tour event that um, you know Bushnell have representatives at. Absolutely, you know, if I take uh, Europe as an example, we have Peter Newby, who is our tour agent. Now, Peter was a caddy for a number of years, twenty years. He was head of the Caddies Association, was chairman, so a very well-established, well-known uh, character within the golf world and particularly the tour world. And Pete now looks after our our tour arrangements for the players so you know if you were to to go to paris this week so you've got the golf national for the kazoo open 
Pete's there on the range Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And he's there making sure that any of the players, the caddies, the managers, the coaches, if they need any any equipment or any products, and they will come. And it's a it's a commercial transaction. So, you know, what's I think what's really important there is it's not product that we are readily handing out to the players. They are physically coming and purchasing that product from us. And I think that that strengthens the validity of why our products are so good, because the guys are literally paying to use them, which is, you know, which is wonderful. And it's, uh, you know, it's something we're very proud of. And we want to continue making sure that the products that those guys are going to use and products for everybody are the top of the game. And I know we're going to talk about one of those at some point today and, excited to share some details on that with you as well yeah well the i guess it's validity on tour and, and the way that this new product and we'll, we'll talk about it in a second but it's the pro x3 uh which is the update to the already gold standard pro xe um really is gotta gotta be an absolute asset to those guys at the top of their game um let's keep talking about the tour stuff for a second because it, it leads in nicely but you know i remember when we were driving up there the phone's going and you know there's a there's a bit of buzz around you know like oh x xyz player needs two over here can we get two over there and you know abc player needs another one over here like it was full on <laughs> and that and that is you know a little snapshot ross of um particularly i take your peter newby's existence on a day-to-day week by week and and obviously we get involved in some of that as well you know forever people are reaching out are you going to be at this event will someone be there i need a new range finder you know i want i want the newest the latest when's the new one coming out we need to update it or coaches i need to get a couple more for my players it literally is it's a 24 7 scenario and and again it, it's a compliment right yeah. we know that those guys are wanting to use our products and you know both in the men and the ladies game because i think it's important it's a it, it's a generic universal space that we're seeing exactly the same you know we're we're fortunate to have uh, some brand ambassadors with us now on uh, the pro x3 device and with Bushnell Golf, and you'll see who they are when uh, when you start seeing some of the TV commercials and some of the marketing assets that, that will be going out over the coming weeks. Oh, so we're not going to get any scoops here on the Mile of Golf podcast as to who. Okay, fair enough. Okay, I won't. I think I think Ross, we could give you uh, a really good indication. You know, if you looked at uh, American athletes, sisters at the top of the female um, game then we're very lucky to have those sisters working with us as brand ambassadors now for, for Bushnell Golf. Okie dokie. Well, there you go. There's a scoop. Uh, well, let's talk about I can see the boxes beside you. Obviously, that's um, some product that's probably early release or it's about to be released, the Pro X3. As I said, it's the update for what was the gold standard in laser measuring devices, the Pro XE. Uh, it is an insane product with the things technically that it's capable of doing. Once again, still talking about our, our pro athletes, and then we'll talk about and translate that into the you know everyday golfer like me and you, and well, you know you're not an everyday golfer, you're a PGA professional, of course. Um, but everyday golfer like me and all the other people that I talk to in my world, um, let's talk about the pros. You know, how much advantage or how much use are the pros going to get out of some of these features? And let's talk about what those features are that the new Pro X3 feature. Okay, so. I know that you have one as well. So the Pro X3, it's a, it's a beautiful new unit replacing the Pro XE. So it's 
if we take its core features, if we take the Bushnell kind of mantra that sits within there, premium accuracy, we have a massive amount of light that comes into the optics. So it's a little bit like looking into a HD display, very clear, our pin seeker with visual jolt technology. So when you zap your laser onto your target, you get both a visual ring and the vibration to confirm that you're locked in. The speed and accuracy of getting those is 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 supreme with the top of the field at that. I think where the Pro X3, for example, comes into its own is, you know, not only using our painted slope technology, so the ability to provide compensated yardages with elevation changes. So if you were looking at an uphill or a downhill shot, we can provide you based on the length and the percentage elevation change, a true accurate compensated yardage or playing distance, perhaps for that shot. So if we take the tour side first those guys when they're doing their practice rounds or the caddies are out doing their walks early in the week and doing their prep what's really important for them is understanding those subtle sometimes elevation changes so a par three for example it may be playing three yards under the actual yardage because it's ever so slightly downhill and these are all factors that they'll put into into their tournament their prep and their strategy now where we look at the pro x3 and we look at the element side to this, I think this is where, you know, we've definitely moved the dial a little bit. So not only does the Pro X3 have the ability to measure air temperature, it also has the ability to measure air pressure. Then we have the ability using what we call home elevation. We've got the ability to personalize those units. So for example, if I played all of my golf or most of my golf at Sunningdale Heath Golf Club, which is a dear club in my heart uh, with some friends of mine who run it. The elevation there or the altitude there is around 230 feet above sea level. So what I can do natively on the device, or now we have Bluetooth connectivity also included in the Pro X3, I can use our mobile app. I can set the device that my home elevation is 230 feet above sea level. So wherever I then play and travel, not only have I got the ability to work out the current air temperature and the air pressure, but I can now see if there's an elevation change from where I play most of my golf. For example, if I went and played somewhere that was a thousand feet above sea level, the device is going to provide me with a compensated yardage or a playing yardage, which is going to be increased because of the elevation. So if I'm a thousand feet above, the ball is going to fly further. So a straight line yardage might be, for example, 150 yards, but the compensated number may be something as low as 140, because it's going to factor in air temperature, air pressure, any slope changes, but then also changes in elevation from where I play most of my golf. So I now have a personalized bespoke unit so we take the tour guys one week they're in one country perhaps in europe the next week they're in another or they're in different states in the us and they're likely to be at places at different altitudes so that means that week in week out the player and the caddy has an increased ability to get supreme accuracy and with that we know that they can trust a, a bushel device for it and the pro x3 is definitely going to be the gold standard in in that space it's amazing to think that a caddy now has that ability to really even you now they're they're clever guys they're good at doing what they do but just to 
be able to dial in those distances because not everyone lives or plays at the same elevation. So I can see how that can be absolutely super valuable. I know a lot of the people that I've already spoken to, you know, you can see when you explain the concept, you know, their brain ticking over going, well, how does it do that? How does it work out altitude? How does it know what's what and where's where? And they are they are sensors and altimeters that sit within the unit, so yeah. they're natively in the device. It's not something that's being transferred from you know perhaps a mobile phone or other data sources. It sits inside the unit, and we then set or calibrate the unit for you as the golfer. And then wherever you travel from there, it's got the ability to work out where your elevation is at that point measure it against your home elevation and therefore using an airtight algorithm we've got the ability to provide you with that compensated number now of course we also have the ability within that to to have elements either turned on or turned off Mm -hmm. so you could use the device just in a slope and our patented slope technology providing you playing numbers for uphill and downhill shots and equally you've got the ability you know with a with a new feature this year So we have a locking slope switch on the Pro X3. If we take previous units, it used to be a slide on the bushel button on the side. This time, you guys can probably see that on the front, we've got slope on. Now this can't be moved. But what we have is a spring-loaded mechanism that then locks that in place, in and out of slope, which avoids someone, if they're playing a tournament, flicking that into slope on and then having the the increased information, which obviously is then illegal in tournament play. Yeah, it's like a safety switch, you know, to, so, so to speak. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I can see how it can take any, not casting this person over anyone, you know, amateur or professional, take any, just element of any doubt that someone might be doing anything. So it's it's, it's a great, um, and I know someone, I know a young, uh, one of the young Australian pros who accidentally left on slope in a qualifying for a uh, tour card overseas and um, and called, called herself, and DQ'd herself because it was just accidentally, whether it slipped on or whatever, and I don't know what unit it was, but anyway, like that, that she just accidentally did it. So that really is that fail-safe mechanism to, you know, it's very visual. It's in your face and you have to switch it and lock it on. Um, so then when you talk about the everyday golfer, how would they use that? Because we know that we can't use all of those features in tournament play. So how do, how do we use it as as an amateur golfer and get the benefit from it? So I think the benefits from that technology, they're applicable from tall level down. Mm. You know, I think we will all have a different information requirement level. Some people like to play very much field-related golf. Others would like to know the information, want to have all of the stats, all of the calculations. And we'll sit somewhere on that spectrum. And I wouldn't dare to assume every golfer will sit in one particular point. But I think if we're looking at the Pro X3 as, as the reference, what you've got is everything available to that golfer that is possible technically at the moment. And they've got the ability to scale that down. So if you didn't want to utilize the temperature, the air pressure and elevation changes, and I didn't want to understand its effect on what might happen to the golf ball and the trajectory of the flight, you can remove elements. You can turn it off simply with a single press. Equally, that leaves you with a slope algorithm. 
it's really it's really useful. I mean, I, to give you an example, Ross, I think rather than me trying to dictate that information, I'll give you a real life example. Mm-hmm. I was at uh, last week at a, a really nice golf club outside of London, and they were launching a pairs event. And I had the ability to do some work with the club uh, from a personal perspective to sit on one of their par threes, which is a beautiful, it's a 12-hole at Bearwood Lakes. Big elevation change from tee to green. So it was around 185, 186 yards from tee, tee position to flag on the day. But it was a 6% elevation change, so a downhill shot. Now, that equated to using the laser or using one of our elite uh, slope conversator GPS watches. That related to sort of 12 or 13 yards of playing difference. Now, to most of us, that's probably a club. So rather than hitting a five iron, you could hit a six iron. Because of the elevation change, the ball is going to stay in the air longer and therefore carry slightly further. So being able to sit on that tee and work with all of the players and give them the opportunity to see the technology that sits now in a watch from a GPS perspective, and importantly in our lasers as well, it was mind-blowing. You could literally see the guys that were understanding how much elevation can affect their shots. It was brilliant. But there's no better way to, to describe or explain it and then have that golfer hit a good golf shot with a, a change club that they were going to hit with success. Now, I'm not. I'm equally not going to sit there and say everyone's going to hit the perfect shot in that scenario. But it was lovely to see golfers of varying ages, various handicaps, various experiences, understanding that slope can affect their game. And for us, I guess we we should be a a mechanism to provide information and a little bit of education to help golfers understand how the topography on a golf course can affect the shots that they're hitting, the trajectory of the of the ball flights. If that can help improve their game, and I think most importantly, enjoy golf more, then we're doing the right things. And I think we have a, a, a plethora of products now that can definitely achieve that for, for all golfers of all abilities. I want to talk about one of the features in not just uh, the Pro X3, but it's in um, all of your range. You mentioned another product that's coming out, the uh, Iron Elite with uh, slope compensated adjustment there. That's a, that's another thing for us to get our heads around. We'll come back to that. But there's one feature there that I think stands out in your product, and that's the um, visual jolt and the pin seeker technology. Now, it's not just pin seeker technology that vibrates every time it zaps a target. It's actually pin seeking and it seeks out the pin. Can you explain that? Because I think that separates all of the Bushnell products over some of the comp- competitors. Well, I think it's it's the speed and accuracy of which our laser, effectively, if, if you take the laser in the simplest form, it is projecting a laser and rebounding back to the device. And it's how long that takes, and that will be the measurement of how far things are from A to B. Mm-hmm. Our optics are so good and so strong with with the history of you know our other brands that we've got the ability to get that pin seeking technology instantly. And you've used the Pro X3. You know, for me, it's kind of moved the dial again. You know, I've been super impressed with how quickly we've been able to to pick up those objects, particularly the flags, because that that is the object that we're looking for. I guess another way to describe it, Ross, would be. If you were, if you had a scenario, we had a flag, and behind it were some trees or something like that to give it 
you know, depth perception, then our optics that sit with the lasers is looking to find the nearest object in that line and particularly flags. It's then the the reflection of that information back to the device super quick. Yeah. And what I noticed with uh, some of the caddies that were out there on the Wednesday on tour was, and just to put it in perspective, when the players play, the caddies are obviously with them, but then the caddies work through those preparation days and not done. They go back out there on the course and they're getting more measurements. Uh, one of the chaps, I don't know who he was a caddy of, but he was with um, uh, Ernie's guys when we were walking around. He was putting uh, alignment sticks, tees in the ground, measuring different reference points and using his laser. But using the laser not to measure the pin because the pin was obviously a variable. It was going to change throughout the tournament. But he was measuring a lot of the hills, humps, and hollows. They, that's, a, that's a legitimate use of using a laser distance measuring device? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we know that the technology is, is there to provide you the ability to measure a distance from point A to point B. Now, you've got the guys, as you've seen, you know, you look at the undulations that sit within some of the greens, particularly St. Andrews. And, and I love that you just threw in there very subtly that you walked around inside the ropes with Ernie Ells mm. and, you know, we, we, to be fair, we couldn't get you off the golf course for a long time because you were just having too much fun. And and I totally understand and respect why. But it gave you a really good insight as to how some of the inner workings of that preparation was. It's not only about what club do I hit it on what tee and on what line, but those guys are trying to figure out what distance it is to the to the peak of some of those, you know, some of those hills, some of those mounds, some of those sort of undulation changes that sit on on those greens particularly the size of the greens at St Andrews. So absolutely, why not use our products to provide you with that accurate information? Point A to point B, the top of that slope is eight yards. The top of the one behind it is 14. Therefore, you've got a plain, plain yards there of six yards to work with on that shelf. They'll use it in a number of different ways. Bunkers, carry distance over bunkers, working it how far certain bunkers are depending on the sight line that they're in. You can use it in a multitude of ways, but it's really interesting. And I think I was probably in the same boat as you watching those guys prepare and the details that goes into it, you know, and being able to see that firsthand. It's great because it helps us understand why they're using the products and how they're using it. So when they tee it up on Thursday morning, round one, they're good to go. They've got their, you know, their legal yardage books with them. But inside of that, there's a whole lot of note taken, and a whole lot of information that they've gathered over the previous days to to give them the best chance to, to go and compete and perform that week. Uh, let's talk about some of the other features that are part of that uh, Pro X3. So IPX7, IPX7 waterproof. What does IPX mean and uh, and why is it important to have – I think it's obvious why it's important to have it waterproof, but in relation to what IPX7 means, what does that mean for the golfer when they're in some inclement conditions? So Pro X3 RPX7 is a extremely waterproof unit. So IPX7, basically there are levels of water resistance through waterproof. Um, for us, Pro X3 is really important that it does meet that IPX7 standard so that if you are playing on incremental weather, you're not going to have any internal damage to the device. There's no ability for water to get inside the inner workings 
We've talked about some of the features that sit inside and the technology that's being used there. We don't need any of that compromise. So fundamentally, it provides an airtight, waterproof unit. And, you know, we've talked about the optics, but give us some understanding of just how far that optical um, piece can, can shoot and, you know, its level of accuracy between, you know, uh, the way I described it in the video that I've just finished for drum and golf was, you know, you can st- you can stand on the furthest par four that you play on and shoot to the pin. And if you want to go for it, and if you can hit it that far, you'll have an accurate me- measurement from your tee to the pin on the longest par four that you'll find, and probably further. Absolutely, I think you know we we would talk around seven hundred yards and accuracy to less than a yard from that distance. So that's a that's a significant significant range from which we can get supremely accurate information coming back to you via via the technology that sits in the laser. Mm-hmm. So you know, seven hundred yards. There probably are only a couple of holes on the planet that are seven hundred plus yards long, and they're probably par sixes or par sevens. I think from memory. So. Absolutely, you could stand on a par five. Most par fives that you play, you could get an accurate reading from the flag on the green if you had that line of sight. The other thing that I really enjoy playing around with, albeit briefly, and I've used it before, but it was a a good reminder um, that the Bushnell app, so when you have a Bushnell product, you then can get the Bushnell app and you can use the Bushnell app. And the features on the Bushnell app are also very powerful. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the app for us, and and it's free to all golfers, which I think is really important. You know, as we evolve our products, you know, we've talked a little bit about it in Scotland and and sort of off air, if you like. And, you know, the Pro X3 now has Bluetooth connectivity. So why would we use Bluetooth or why would we need Bluetooth perhaps in a a laser is generally a question that, that we've come up with or come up against in uh, in the last sort of couple of months but for us it's really important because you've got the ability to connect and register via the mobile app we then have the ability if we wanted to if there was an opportunity to do it to transfer information from a to b for example if we take a laser let's say in a year's time we tweaked, updated, improved some of the algorithms that sit within some of the calculations. We could then update the firmware on that unit, so the software on that device via Bluetooth, via the mobile app. So that becomes uh, the first stage of maybe opening the door to, to be able to do different things with the data and the transference of that data from multiple points across our across our products in the range equally you take the mobile app as a standalone you can sit there with some of the best gps mapping to work out your shot planning on the holes you can do your scores you can do your stats you know you can you can update our various devices and various golf course mappings all from that app with uh, with the ease of use and that's both android and ios yeah, it's really cool. You can move the flag. You can just move to any point on the hole and uh, and get those distances. Obviously, as you said, you can you know just keep your stats on there, which was pretty cool. Um, but also with that Bluetooth connectivity in the app, relevant to the device, you know you can if if you don't want to um use the mode buttons and toggle through the uh, mode switches, you you can turn on the uh, screen display. So the black or the red uh, bright display, you can do that via the app. You can change it yards to meters via the app, and um you know there's a handful of other functions that you can change on the app rather than sitting there with the um the mode button, which is not hard. But if you've got the app there, you can do it on that as well. Pretty simple. Uh-oh. 
It's convenience, right? You know, I, I think a, a great piece you've just mentioned there, we talked earlier around uh, the Bushnell button that sits on the side of the Pro X3. Now, historically, this would have been the slide switch to move slope on and slope off. So what we've put back into the Pro X3 and giving you, the golfer, the opportunity to, to dictate and to personalize a unit by pressing the dual display button now, you can choose between red or black displays within the reticle. So when you're playing golf and it might, change or vary depending on light conditions you can choose between red and there are four brightness settings with each red or black displays we think that's really important that you as the golfer as the user can choose the optimum display settings for you and personalize them and you know we're fortunate right we've probably played lots of golf around the world in lots of different conditions. I know if we put the kind of Scotland taint on some some of the images and some of the courses you play late in the evening, there are times when either the red or the black isn't quite as sharp as you'd like it to be because of the external conditions. You've now got the ability to flip that between red and black, which I think is uh, it's a really strong feature that will probably be undervalued, but will definitely be used. Yeah, definitely. No, 100% correct. Um have we touched on everything that we need to touch on the Pro X3? There's probably other there's probably other things that we could talk about, but is there is there I'm conscious of your time. Anything else that we've missed? I think we've covered it. One thing we haven't talked about is our is our bite. Yep. Now for for those that know our, our range of product, historically having the bike technology in there, the ability to use the magnetic bite, clamp it onto the side of your cart, buggy, your trolley or your bag, or if you have, you know, we have now a, a bike clip accessory, which you can fit onto the, the side of your golf bag, and you can just clip your device on. So having having that ability is a, is a cool feature. And, and again, most people use it without really thinking about it. Yeah. So it's good that we have it in our flagship model as well. I, uh, for the benefit of the people watching the video, I have my bike clip just there, behind, uh, just sitting beside my little unit there, and also uh, my my backdrop isn't as uh, complemented with as many Bushnell products as yours. Not that I expect it to be either, but you've got some other ones there that we should talk about. The uh, there's some watches sitting over your uh, right shoulder there. You want to grab those? Okay, so so the the Ion Elite yes. is our new GPS compensated distance color screen, color touch screen device. It comes in both white and black so you can see either or this is a really cool product for us you know i think if we move into the gps side of the business and particularly the wearable devices we know the wingman we know that the ion edge and we know that the phantom 2 devices have been great sellers for us but having a color touchscreen unit that has whole overview shot planning capabilities it's pretty cool dynamic mapping so not only can we show you the overhead view of the green map and you can move where the flag is but it also shows you the direction from which you are coming at so your front center back yardages are not generic but they are again personalized to you and the angle to which you are approaching that green and that will change on a 360 perspective but for us the compensated technology in here is incredible so utilizing slope and the example i gave you earlier being sat on a par three you know i popped a couple of uh, posts out on on socials on that where i had one of the units in a in, in a tournament mode so with no slope turned on and the adjacent unit having the slope adjusted distances on and it was showing beautifully that 12 yard difference 
the green that sat below 6% elevation change. So having the ability to now progress what happens with GPS and the topography and been able to display that in a, in a slope capacity is a pretty exciting piece for us. And, you know, the, the feedback that we've had with this watch has been exceptional in the last couple of weeks. Now, just for the real uh, technically oriented listeners, the concept, and they might already understand if they understand LiDAR data and um, how GPS works, but, you know, how do we, how do we get slope compensation in a GPS watch? It was hard enough for us to understand how it was going to work in a, a distance measuring device, a laser distance measuring device. Now, now you're telling me you can get, do it in a GPS watch. How does it do that? So if you, if you take um, a standard map overview, if you put on Google Maps or whatever your choice of maps might be, and then you added terrain or you added topography, so the elevation changes that sit within that. So utilizing the GPS pinpoints, we now know that point A to point B, there might be a change in elevation. And all we're doing is we're adding into that technology, whether you're standing at par three as an example from the T to the green, we know that the reference points on that green are higher, lower, or at the same level as the T. And we can, using our patented technology, we can provide you with that slope compensated yardage. So we're using the information that's now there, the technology is improving so we can use more of it and we can decipher that for you as a golfer, again, to give you that quick snapshot, real compensated playing yardage reference points. I had a quick go of the watch and for me, what I liked when I put my, um, you know, how easy is this to use hat on? It ticked all the boxes. It's one touch and then the user interface on the, fa- on the um, face there, it shows you very clearly what each of the functions do. Just on the outside of the, um, the, the surface of the watch, the face of the watch, sorry, you just press that. It takes you to that function, whether it's the map, whether it's the scorecard or um, the other features, and you just use it. And then if you want to get back to another feature, you just press the button and then press the face. And it's so simple. It's not two presses and a swipe or a swipe, swipe, and up, down, and another. It was just press, function, swipe around, use it, and then press it back. It was so simple to use. And I think that's really important because we've got to look at, and I think all of us that sit within technology particularly, it has to be feature-packed because there's an expectation that sits there from a golfer to be able to do a multitude of things with that with that device. But the usability or the GUI or the interface of that has to be as simple as possible because we all, as we mentioned earlier, will have a different, a different view and a different needs and requirements from technology, whether that's in its simplest form or all of the stats that we can pull from, from various features. And... We need that to tick boxes for everybody. And I think, you know, the guys have done an incredible job in pulling together the Ion Elite. And it's something, you know, if I take my background, you know, yes, from many years ago, we, we relied on the the meter wheels and then it was yardage books and then it was lasers and then it was, you know, all of these other technologies that came in. But GPS was something that personally I used when I was in a in a buggy or in a cart and it had the GPS sort of screens on. But I never really used enough on a day-to-day. And now obviously with with my current role and and the ability to, you know, try new things, use different technologies, understand how it all works. I wouldn't be without GPS now, mm. whether that was phantom on my bag or whether, you know, particularly now with the elite on my on my wrist, you know. I never played golf with it with a watch on. I now wouldn't play golf without it. Hmm. And that's probably the the benchmark that I would use personally is 
I'm I'm really wanting to use that information that's there and various levels of that to assist me with my golf and my enjoyment of golf. And I think that's the key thing. Can we provide something that's feature packed, easy to use? I think we can. And I think we definitely have now in the eye on elite watch. Well, as I said, it was easy to use if um if for me that's a, a massive tick and obviously it does all the features and functions with the backup of the Bushnell technology, but being easy to use, lightweight, a lot of people I come across a lot of people who that question wearing a watch. You know, they've never played golf in a watch. Yeah, you know, they might have used they might be wearers of, you know, traditional dress watches or so and so forth. I think um the evolution of sports watches and fitbits have changed that. It also does a number of features, you know, for personal health um, benefits the, that watch. But I think um, it's very light. You know, you put it on, you don't even know that you've got it on. It's so light. And um, once again, when it's not being used as a GPS, I think something that I always try and emphasize to customers that, you know, the battery power is enough that you can use it as your personal watch. It's got a great face on it. You can um, set that to how you want it to look. And it lasts, you know, don't quote me on exactly, you can tell me how long it will last just on normal non-GPS mode, but it will last a long enough time for you not to be inconvenienced by the fact that it is a watch or your own personal watch. Is that correct? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think, you know, I guess we've got we've got two views at products. One is a golf-specific side and the other is lifestyle and i think it's that crossover piece that we're now seeing in in wearable technology particularly and absolutely you know i i now use the elite as my standard watch i've got the ability to connect it to my phone so if i wanted to have you know call notifications text message notifications alarms and all these other things absolutely i can utilize it that way but but for me it's lightweight it does everything I need it to do plus more. And you know, it's not been off my wrist for a couple of weeks and, and I'm looking forward to continuing that into the future. Uh, you talked about cross products crossing over. Um, you've got one sitting up uh, on the desk uh, on the shelf there behind you in, in the box there. Yeah, that's it. Um, so you know what I'm talking about. That's the, uh, the wingman. I was your wingman in St. Andrews, but uh, the real wingman that's important for you is the, is the speaker. <laughs> Do you know what? The wingman, I think, is such a cool product. And, you know, I come at it from a different perspective, maybe, or, you know, I know that in the US, in the Middle East, and it's starting to kick through now in, into some parts of the UK and Europe, an acceptance that golf is, it's an experience. And we need experiential items that sit within that. And the idea or the concept of playing golf with some music it's something that's becoming more acceptable you know don't shoot me down listeners if, if you don't agree with that but i think i think there is more and more a time and a place for us using golf as a, a, in a different way and the wingman just provides you the ability to you know use the speaker functions but bear in mind that what's sat within that it's not just a speaker it is also a gps device so and it's an audible gps device so you have a a small remote which is about the size of a poker chip in your pocket single press of that button and you can get the audible front center and back yardages and you can do some pretty cool things you can personalize first tee announcements and and various sound effects again so it it's not going to be for everybody and i totally accept that but i do think that we're going to see more and more um, golfers choosing a slightly different experiential route 
and particularly within corporate social wealth. Uh, but once again, talking about the watch, how you can use the watch as your personal watch, you know, the speaker, everyone has a speaker and travels with the speaker. It's pretty much basic standard fare and a picnic kit these days. Um, how, how useful is it in as a personal speaker device, you know, whether it's in a room where you don't have access to the Bluetooth for your other speakers or whatever, um, but you can just pack it in the picnic set in the car, take it with you and uh, and burn some tunes out there in the wild. It's great. Absolutely. It, it's crossover technology. We can use it as a speaker. So as a standalone speaker, it's wonderful. If we put golf into that, it's a, it's a speaker that can provide you entertainment on a golf course. But it also has for us, you know, looking at our technology, our distance measuring devices, you've got the audible GPS element that sits in there, which is on top of, and it's a crossover piece. I love it. I, you know, I have to say, I, I, I enjoy socially playing golf with it. And uh, it's it's quite interesting when you see see guys fighting over whose whose phone we're going to connect and whose playlist we're going to play at, at certain times. So why not? It's a bit of fun. So that's a great wrap up of the new technology, the new products that are coming out soon, any day in Australia here um, from Bushnell. You know, Bushnell is a massive company in the states, and you know its its web of influence in the golf industry uh, extends even further past. Um, you know, the products that we're talking about now, those stories are for another time, but you know, it's a massive company. You're a great part of it and a great asset to it over there. Um, there's a reason why you have ended up being the commercial manager of EMEA. Uh, you know, part of that is your background in golf and your long held background and the connections that you have in the industry. And I saw first example, first hand example of that, um, you know, at St Andrews when you, know, you had a crowd of, of people with you there as I was probably late back to the rendezvous point to take you back, take us back to where we were going and, you know, um, there was a heap of people there that you knew and they were all from different spheres of the golf industry over there. And so how did you get into where you are now? What was the journey like? Uh, good question. Uh, you know, I've always, I've always taken the view that – the golf industry is a very small world, and it's a very small world in the sense that you saw at the Open, you know, uh, you know Paul as well, and you know every every hundred steps you probably bump into someone that you know or someone that you've connected with somewhere somehow, and that's that is of course over a span of time. But you know, for me, you know, golf was something that I started as a as a very young child. My my father wasn't a golfer; he was a cricket cricket and rugby man. But his father was involved in golf. He was an architect and was involved in designing some of the some of the first buildings around Valdelobo down in the Algarve in Portugal. And it was very clear to me from a young age that golf was something at least I was going to have an opportunity to try. And I'm very, very grateful and thankful that that opportunity was there because it's kind of got me on this journey. But, you know, six years old, I'd have a putter or it would be a putter and a wedge and chipping around the back garden and just, you know, an exposure to the game. And over time, golf became the sport of choice for me. I was very, very lucky, very fortunate growing up that, you know, I had a number of sports that I enjoyed playing and to a to a reasonable success. But golf became the bit of the shining light that that probably worked for me, you know, the mental challenge of that, the physical challenge of that. And and that's the thing that kind of, you know, got, got me going, if you like, floated my boat per se. And, you know, played to a good level as an amateur, got down to scratch, um, toyed with the idea of going over to America. I had a scholarship at a, at a university there all set out. And at the same time, had an opportunity to start my PGA qualification. So uh, sort of four-year course over here with the Professional Golfers Association and the head pro at the club where 
I had played for a long time, was a very, you know, renowned coach within the industry, taught a lot of tour players, Wayne Riley being one, put in the kind of Aussie, Aussie flavor on that. So as a youngster, caddied for him, Gary taught me, he was the head pro, and I had the ability to then work at Camberley Heath. So Camberley Heath is um, for those that don't know, sat in Surrey, very close to Sunningdale, Wentworth, West Hill, Woking. So a beautiful strip of, you know, Heathland, Parkland, Harry Cole design golf courses. So I had a, a really good setup, a really good pro and access to some of the best golfers that were playing at that time. So for me, the opportunity to then do my PGA uh, qualification seemed the obvious choice. And so that was a sort of four year process. You know, you work on various aspects within retail, business, repairs, playing, rules, sports, science, and everything else. Um, and the guys do it now. Wow, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's unbelievably challenging and thorough now, the, the courses compared to, you know, back in the uh, early 90s when I did it. It was a very more straightforward version. But but nevertheless, you learn on the job, and that's the point. Um I then had, when when Gary moved on to a different job, I had a guy that came in called Glenn Ralph. Now, Glenn had played 24 straight years on what was the European Tour, now the DP World Tour, and then had a year managing the Seniors Tour. So again, from an experience perspective, and as a mentor, I had Gary Smith, who'd worked with tour players and England golf and the best amateurs in the country, followed by a guy who'd spent, you know, 24 years on tour. I probably had the best people around me at that time as an influence to sort of, you know, guide my career. Um, within about a year of Glenn coming in, that was very much the kind of, I think you need to go play, you need to go and kind of sharpen your tools elsewhere. And that followed eight years of playing around UK, Europe, uh, and culminated in having my card on the Asian tour, which was which was amazing. And, you know, very thankful to those experiences, those that helped me on that journey. And, and some of my deepest friends now are guys that I met on that pathway many years ago. And again, coming back to the golf being a small world. But, you know, I'm going to say sadly, I picked up um, a middle ear issue while I was out in Asia, which stopped me playing tournament golf. So that kind of retired me, if you like, from playing at a at a good level. Um, and, you know, side effects of nausea and vertigo for pretty much 10 months straight, kind of knocked, knocked the wind out of my sails from that perspective. And at the time I met uh, Nikki, now my wife, and, you know, needed to go and do something to uh, to earn some money and ended up having three years in a telecoms firm completely out of golf, which from a business perspective, business acumen, business experience, managing people, understanding processes um, was unbelievably good, but I wasn't in golf. Mm. And I'm golf, golf's me. And, and I kind of knew that, you know, I probably wasn't very happy within myself um, and I needed to do something different. So Long story cut short, an opportunity to come back in and, and do some coaching in London came around. And that transpired into a 10-year 10 10 year period of my life in London, a couple of years working at a, at a really cool facility, and then eight years setting up an indoor academy, so getting access to the first simulators, the first sort of putting technology, uh, Tomy softwares, getting into... Uh, club fitting, club building, retailing, junior development, and again, loving coaching and coaching with technology. And through that time, 
for me and and I guess probably from my from my father's influence you know travel's also been a a bit of a passion and what I loved when I was playing tournament golf was the ability to jump on a plane, jump in a car, train, boat, just go somewhere different, experience that, play golf with different cultures, different grasses, different people, etc. So during my time when I was coaching, I used to run somewhere between kind of six and 10 trips a year where I would take my clients away. So I'd try and give them a flavor of those experiences, whether that was a coaching trip, whether that was a more kind of tournament experience, you know, going to the Masters, going to tour events, going to the Open, whatever it was. And and occasionally going to have to play some programs as well. So travel became very much incorporated into what I was doing from a day to day. And managing a, you know, a technology focused indoor business was was great fun. But travel then took over. An opportunity came to work in um in golf specific travel with, you know, very fortunate to work for golf breaks. So golf breaks are one of the two big players, if you like, in in the kind of golf tour operator space. And spent four years working with them specifically in uh, a part of their business that was focused on golf pros, golf pro travel and events and pro ams. And then Spent a couple of years following that working uh, for Your Golf Travel, which was, you know, it was a great move for me in the sense of I got to work in a different space. So setting up a new team, looking at corporate partnership events and building a pro part of their business was something for me that I was able to expand what I was doing in the previous role. Um, Working, you know, and moving from one competitor to the other has its... um, has its challenges, let's say, Ross. And mm-hmm. I know I know you kind of re- you know you can relate to that. Um, so you know that that was an interesting time, but it was a good move for me. And then as sort of you know the global pandemic kicked in, you know unfortunately we, we were all affected in in different ways. And and for me at that time, it probably gave me a a period of reflection. Maybe where am I? What do I want to do? What does the future look like? Where are the the areas within golf that you know. I see there are opportunities for me and, you know, very fortunate to work as a consultant for a period of time with a golf app, golf technology business, into a corporate golf and events business, amongst some other bits and pieces. And and then the, the Bushel opportunity presented itself. And, you know, in, in its simplest form, if one of the top five golf businesses in the world has an opportunity and they want to speak to you about it, you're, you're not going to say you're not going to sit there and think too long and hard. And, and you know, thankfully, the the process was great. The role sort of fits me. Uh, I work with some amazing people and very fortunate to to still sit in a in a, an industry that I love and, and a sport that I'm passionate about. So when you kind of take that journey, I've had lots of different experiences with lots of different people. And I'll always try and, you know, keep the doors open, never burn bridges. And and that now from a networking perspective is, you know, it, it's priceless. And every day is a new day. It's a new challenge. But I love reconnecting and connecting with with new people, and and I'm fortunate to be able to do that within the role I'm in now. It's a good story, especially for some of the listeners that are the younger listeners. And I know we've got some more mature listeners, like my age, and you know some people that I know. But I know that there's some younger golfers that uh, that listen. And you know, I know from my own son's journey, you know how he tries to think about the journey too far ahead, and you know what he's not doing today means it's going to hold him back from the future. And and I very much try and you know be a dad around just keep being nice to people keep your network opportunities going you know always return phone calls be proactive not reactive and 
everything will fall into place. If you love what you're doing and you see a future in it, it will work out. And, um, you know, it's not the same story, but it's a great ref- reflection on, you know, keep your contact, be nice to people, be professional, keep going, and just you'll end up getting to where you want to be and doing great things. And, you know, uh, I can see uh, from where you're sitting, uh, surrounded by all those great pushable products that you're in a pretty happy space. And, um, you know, Obviously, I get to see you out there with Mike Brown on the golf course and, you know, what a legend and a great ambassador for Bushnell Mike is. You know, you're out there in some of the great golf courses in and around the area, working with some great distributors around Europe, selling your products. And, and you know, for me, that's, um, you know, if I put my commercial, you know, hat on from when I used to work in big businesses like that, it, it sounds perfect, mate. It sounds perfect. So it's, it's great. Congratulations. And I know that you're doing a great job. So well done. Yeah. Thank you, Ross. And I think I think the key the key piece there is, you know, you never know what's going to happen yeah. tomorrow. You never know what's happening around the corner. And, you know, if you're focusing on today and you're planning for tomorrow, great, but be open-minded to, you know, what might be there, what might happen. And, and I think that's certainly from my personal journey. I've never I've never really had a defined plan for what I wanted to do, hmm. but I've always been open to exploring new opportunities and experiences when they came around. And that's held me in good stead. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, the next years with Bushnell and, and continuing to do what we do and excited about, you know, the the things that might be coming down the road. Ooh, well, we've, we've got one exclusive, uh, well, undisclosed, but almost to you. you can read between the lines and exclusive in the early part of this podcast. I'm sure we're not going to get an exclusive on what's coming in terms of Bushnell, but it sounds like there's plenty of uh, product development away ahead, as you'd expect. I've got a couple of questions for you before I let you go. In terms of your golf, favourite golf course yep. in uh, UK, GB and I, well, GB and I, sorry, UK, GB and I is the, yeah, that's what, yeah, you, you know what I mean. I think, I think I'd have to say Royal Dornock. You know, Royal Dornock, I was fortunate enough to play a few years ago and, um, it's on the short term horizon to go and play it again. And it's just, it's, it's magnificent. It's an old traditional Lynx golf course where all of the holes, the topography, the landscape, the roll, the rolling elevation changes that sit there. It's, it's just a, a cool, hard golf course, but, but one that you kind of leave and you just want to go and play again. Um, you know, if I think about golf courses that have that wow factor, um, Turnbury is probably one one of the most impressive links courses that I've played. If you piece together the whole experience, um, and and listen, I think I think we'd be we we'd go a long way if we didn't manage uh, to discuss where we play golf for the first time, where we met. And you know there there is a place uh, in Loch Lomond in Scotland that is um, it's sublime. I mean, from the the minute you arrive, the guest experience, the golf experience, the the F and B. You know, I, I have to say, if I'm talking about a favourite experience within the UK, that has to be number one. Golf course, Royal Dornock. I love Dornock, but Loch Lomond would be my 
number one golf experience for sure. Yeah, some people uh, ask me about Loch Lomond, you know, the, the golf course um, aficionados that I that I talk to sometimes, and they asked how it was, and I said it was fabulous. And yeah, you know, I just reflected how three years before, obviously that was the last time we were in Scotland due to the pandemic. I was sitting on a boat out there in Loch Lomond, you know, a tourist boat, and uh, the 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 guide was giving a, a description of what was happening and and the significance of the the whole area and the Scottish Scottish history, and then he points across to where Loch Lomond the golf course is, and he says that's one of you know, Scotland's most exclusive you know, golf courses. Loch Lomond they've played the Scottish Open there several numerous times and blah 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 and my wife turns to me and goes, she says oh have you you played that one because you expect that you can just walk onto a golf course and play I said no darling I've not played that one and you know I'm not sure that I ever will but uh, it's pretty special uh, lo and behold day one of the next trip to Scotland here we are uh, meeting you for the first time on the uh, well not the first tee but in, in Edinburgh and when we drove up there and it was just uh, yeah you're right it was mind blowing to, um, to walk those fairways that uh, you know very lucky uh, few get to do the members, and we're very thankful for Michael that um, you know allowed us to do that, and you know to walk those fairways that you know, champions of golf have have um, applied their trade on. Uh, it was awesome, and you're right. You know, I think there's a thing about the reason that I am so passionate about talking about Scotland so much uh, is because the people make those experiences just seamless, easy, friendly, welcoming warm not over the top you know that's not the scottish way it's just it's just like you they're welcoming you into their home and uh and that's a the really nice part about there everyone was everyone was great golf course is fantastic uh the setting and scenery was uh, mind-blowing there you go i loved it and uh, listen you know i think go- golf offers us a lot we we both sit within the industry in various guises and with with backgrounds but i think something that's really important and i think you 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 experienced that maybe it's an Andrews and at the lock is being able to take stock. And I know, you know, things we've mentioned before around, you know, the pandemic was, you know, such a, a global impact. Um, and I think it got us all reflecting upon where we are and what we're doing and maybe priorities. And, and I think part of, you know, my side to that was realizing how fortunate I am to sit in an industry that that offers lots of these amazing experiences and and things to do and going up to the open this year the 150th that St Andrews meeting you and and the guys and some of the things that we that we did while we were up there uh you know you mentioned you know dinner at the Russacks in the bay window overlooking the 18th hole having then drinks up in uh, bar 19 a putt on the on the balcony. I mean, those are things that you kind of have to take stock, right? When we were there, it was like, look where we are, look what we're doing, look look how amazing this is, and how fortunate we are. And I think more than anything else, the pandemic has has got me recognizing much much more just how fortunate we are in, in what we do and and appreciating you know the, the wonderful places we go and the things that we get to do and you know listen I, i'm going to fire a question back to you now knowing that you you were on a, a month-long pilgrimage mm. post uh post st andrews what was your favorite golf course or favorite couple of courses in in your kind of month-long journey yes uh, I can answer that very easily, and I've sort of discussed it previously, but for the benefit of this podcast and yourself, and it sort of leans into that whole reflection post-pandemic. You know, I, I had a, a couple of moments there, and um, I was lucky enough in the in the holiday, I spent plenty of time with my wife, and that was great. But we were there staying with um, family, and we both got family there. Obviously, all her family and some of my family. So, you know, it's a fairly important place to us, Scotland. Um, but my wife went to London with her mother to stay with her sister for five days, so it left me 
with a rental car and five days of deciding what to do fend for myself i'm not a very good cook uh, so I, that meant i had to get out of the house and fend for myself truly so that was obviously a cue for a golf trip uh day one of the golf trip was dundonald link played there before it was great that afternoon western gales it was always one that was on my radar fantastic really good uh the greens were running at about 15 uh, sorry the fairways were running at about 15 the greens at nine uh it was burnt out and it was that true scottish summer links which i hadn't really seen or played on before so that was cool uh the next day jump on a ferry cross to aaron straight to shiskin golf and tennis club now that's a quirky 12 hole a very ancient course in a special part of the land that afternoon jump on the ferry across ended up at macrahanish 6 p.m with Robbie, Robbie Wilson, who is a legend over in the Kintyre area of um, Scotland. You know, he hosts many people, shows many people. He works for Historic Scotland. He looks after all of the, the relics and the monuments, you know, the castles and the ruins and all that. He makes sure that the, the signs are painted, they're fixed and proper, and he does a great job. He also does a great job for golf and takes a lot of people to Macrahanish and Dunaverty. We... Uh, he was smart enough to say the weather's going to be rubbish tomorrow. It's six o'clock. We can get 18 holes in between now and dark. Obviously, you can in Scotland. You can do that that wonderful thing. And we went and played Macrahanish without a breath of wind as the sun was setting. And it was magnificent. You know, obviously, that first hole at Macrahanish across the beach, it's a very, very famous, you know, one of the best opening tee shots in, in golf, I would say. But it wasn't until... I got out into um, like the second and the third when you get into that true rolling sort of dunescape of, of the lynx land out there. And I started to realize what, what was happening. You know, not only had I got this time to myself to, to just take it all in without having to worry about getting home for tea and all that, not that it's a worry, but you know what I mean. Um, and I got out there into that third and fourth hole and just see the beautiful rolling hills and thought this place is pretty special. You know, if this was the last golf course I ever played, I'd be pretty happy. And you know, 12 miles to the to the um, southwest is is Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland. There, obviously, another great part of the world which I'm very familiar with and been to and love. And just to be in that sort of area where everything seems to be in hands reach, it was great. And then I realised that the significance of the golf course, Old Tom Morris. Now, obviously, there's an Old Tom Morris Trail. It starts at St Andrews and heads around the country, and there's some very significant golf properties that are part of the Old Tom Morris Trail. But just to be there on a course that old Tom Morris first, you know, shaped in and out through the dunescape. And then it made me reflect on another great experience, which isn't Scotland, it was Ireland. And I used to tell people, and I would tell people, I'm not used to, but I would tell people that I loved the Hinch. And obviously it was an old Tom Morris experience as well. And I just felt this familiarity in the land and the, in the golf experience. And it just made me feel a bit sort of jittery and goosebumpy when I sort of realized that. And I was very happy to be there at that time. <laughs> um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And I know you, you know, you have in, in previous podcasts and, and you could do now talk about all of those golf courses. But I, I love that. I was trying to picture as you were describing, you know, getting out third or fourth hole into the dunes. It's that realisation of the history and the importance and where you are. And I, I know from a couple of the pictures that um, you kindly sent me at that point, uh, I was very jealous at, at that moment, but the frame scenario of where you were and that golf and landscape and the history. And, and these are the things that make us tick. And, mm. you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, for any of your listen, listeners there that have a chance to go over, you know, please do make a, make a point to backtrack on some of these episodes because, you know, Ross certainly knows what he's talking about in, uh, in the UK as well as, as well as in your homeland. Well, I need to get down and do a bit more golf in the UK and I'm hoping that uh, in the further trips that we'll be able to do some of that together. But I'm looking forward to, you know, it was an idea that I had post uh, the trip when 
you know, came across so many people that were in and around Scotland at that time. And so the, the concept of me doing some podcasts where I talk to people that I, I knew or have met or come across that were party to those experiences that I had. And I think their stories are very, very powerful in, in what Scotland means to them, but more so their love of golf. You know, that's what this is all about, love of golf. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, for me, the sad thing, but great thing is that I've still left so many courses on the table uh, that are still yet to be discovered. So that just gives me the motivation to go back. You know, when I think about Cruden Bay, I could have, if I had planned the trip a little bit differently, I could have got to Cruden Bay. Can't wait to get up there. Never been to Royal Dornock and Brora. Obviously, Fortrose and Rosemarkey, which is up that way, another great links, and so on and so on and so forth. Um, you know. But, but don't but don't you think that you know the the amazing thing with you know and maybe maybe your trip is a is a really good reference this year that as much as there were some courses there you definitively needed to and wanted to go and play you wanted to tick off certain elements um, I know there was a couple that you kind of found along the way those little hidden gems that you know you talked about Dorna Cambora and you've got Skibo Castle and Castle Stewart and Nairn in that in that little pocket but you've also got Tain Tain Golf Club is wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, as a as an experience of the guys that work there, it is tremendous. But maybe it doesn't – it isn't the obvious choice when you go there. And sometimes it's those little courses that you find, the unexpected little hidden gems that are just as enjoyable. And, you was, know, that, that would be part of the adventure. Well, I'm able to share with you and because he's confirmed that he's happy to join us on the podcast at some stage. But uh, Jim Hartzell is um, – you know, a world-renowned golf author. You know, you can listen to Jim on um, some of the No Laying Up uh, podcasts that they do, uh, Trapdoor podcasts. He writes for No Laying Up. He's a published author and has a great story um, about his connection to Scotland and in particular um, that Macrahanish part of Campbelltown part of the world. He's a member at Dunavity and, you know, I went to Dunavity and was supposed to play but it was horrendous weather and you walk into Dunavity Clubhouse and it's literally a bar not much bigger than these two wardrobes put together um a small shop and you know three or four round tables looking out over the golf course which has got some farmland either side out to the most southern part of uh, the kintyre peninsula and it's just it's it's not a championship course but it's in a championship location and uh you know i walked the course and went out to you know Dunavity point and uh it was just Unbelievable! I didn't play it because, uh, yeah. Anyway, for, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't brave the elements. Put it that way. I, I didn't live true to my Scottish heritage and brave the elements and just get out there and do it. But um, the beauty is, it's given me a reason to go back. Uh, I did go and take some photos. But to your point, you know, I played with my uncle, my uncle's um, and my uncle's brother-in-law, who I'd never met, um, and we met. And we went out and played golf at Winterfield. Now, Winterfield's in Dunbar. Dunbar is a great golfing town in uh, Scotland. Dunbar Golf Course, you know, people refer to it as the Pebble Beach of Scotland. And rightly so, it's magnificent. Just around the corner is a little place called Winterfield. Now, pretty basic and simple links course, you know, pop bunkers everywhere. So it's got that authentic links feel. Obviously, when you get the weather coming right off the Bass Rock, you can see the Bass Rock from everywhere. Um, now, what's the most famous golf course up in that part of the world where you can also see the Bass Rock, which is just around the corner? What would it be if I put you on the spot? Go on. North, you North, North Berwick. It. So it's just around the corner from North Berwick and everyone knows North Berwick because the Bass Rock's out there. Well, Winterfield, which costs you about 30 quid to play, not even that. Um, it's got even closer view to Bass Rock and it's just there on the cliffs. And uh, yeah, you can check out my Instagram. There's a couple of little drone flyers. Overson is magnificent for 30 quid and no one goes there 
you know, it's not on the tourist destination. It's either it's in the middle of them all, but no one goes there. Uh, Northbury has the Glen. Same same sort of thing. Yeah, you know, Northbury. They're just around the other side of Northbury. There's the Glen. Once again, haven't played it. Can't wait to go back. Anyway, all those things are just wonderful parts about being in that part of the land. And you know, people get. I'm sure people get fed up with me rabbiting on about it. They say if you'd like it, go over there and live there and do it all the time. Then get out of here and free up the tea times for us, Ross. Maybe I won't do that. Uh, no kidding. But, anyway. but do you know what? Sometimes it's it's sharing those experiences and those little bits of knowledge and you know, so so for those that that have an opportunity to go to those areas, go check out those courses. Go check out those little hidden gems. Go check out what's just around the corner from some of those headline places. Because if you're going for two or three days and you've got two main courses on your list, go find one you could do in the morning, in an afternoon, an, un, an unexpected, unplanned course, because you, you'll probably be surprised what you find. I'll say this again. Uh, if you land in Edinburgh and you don't head out straight away and you have the first day in Edinburgh to you know acclimatize, but you still want to get out there and stretch the legs on a golf course, head straight to the Braids. Uh, it's about five miles outside of Edinburgh City. It's not far in the taxi. Uh, it's on the Braid Hills just overlooking the whole city of Edinburgh, overlooking, you know, you can basically see uh, to the Fife, out to where St Andrews is, all of that coast, which is full of golf courses, Ely, Anstruther, um, St Monans, Crail, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you look out across the water to that and Braid Hills is just unbelievable. Once again, a council course in the middle of town. It's fantastic. So go and do that. Braids, you heard it here. There's also one of your fine retailers, American Golf, just at the driving range, just at the bottom of the hill at the Braids. Uh, they do a fantastic job. I'm sure hopefully they sell enough bushnell product for you. Um, yeah, great part of the world. Darren, Superb. Uh, thank you very much for all of your time and sharing, uh, very importantly and most uh, rightly so, all of the technical advancements in the new Bushnell Pro X3, the Iron Elite Watch, and uh, just some of those crossover products like the Wingman. Look forward to being your Wingman on some golfing experiences in the future. We could keep talking uh, for hours, but we won't. Um, thank you very much, mate. Awesome. Ross, thank you for your time and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Excellent. Thank you, mate. We'll see you next time.